Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds on 103.7 The Buzz, which you can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 103.7thebuzz.com. What a great win it was for the Razorback basketball team to finally, finally get some nice, good flow to a game from beginning to end at home against an SEC opponent that is much more talented than them. They get the victory against LSU 99 to 90. They score plenty of points and now the Razorbacks are sitting at 19 and 11 and also 7 and 10 in conference play. They have a lot to play for still. They're still going strong. The effort is there, but it's just incredible to see the game in and game out performance of Mason Jones. Who goes for 36 points, no big deal. Just another day at the office for Mason Jones. He has a big night. Jimmy Witt on his senior night really puts out the effort. Gets a double-double where he's sitting at 26 points and 15 rebounds. About as good of a game as you could ask out of him. He had Ethan Henderson get involved a lot more. It was just a great game from beginning to end for all of uh, Razorbacks and Razorback fans. And that's exactly the type of game you need to have if you're a team that still believes, still believes that you have a chance at making the NCAA tournament. Now, I don't think that they are for sure in by any stretch. I still think they have so much work to do that it's going to take a little bit and a lot more than what we've been seeing. But I do have to give credit where credit is due, that this team, when when they had a big lead against LSU, they weathered the storm. It was similar to me like Tennessee. Arkansas got off to a hot start. They got a big lead. It got close where you had Tennessee, and in the case last night, LSU, make another run at you. But at the end of the day, Arkansas weathered the storm and got out of there with a victory because that's what good teams do. It was a similar thing last night. Arkansas opened up the game well. They finished out strong. They scored 54 points in the first half. I mean, that's incredible. Just an offensive explosion from them. And it was just the ideal game that Arkansas needed at that point in time. Even if that doesn't mean that they're going to go to the NCAA tournament, they needed that game just to have something that they could hold their hat on and something that they could say, man, that, that was exactly the great performance that we had all wanted, we all wanted to see from Arkansas, especially against a team like LSU. And it was nice to have a revenge game from them as well. It's amazing to me too, folks, that Arkansas it has been a team this year where anytime they've played two different opponents – in the same year, or excuse me, two of the same opponents in the same year, you have seen where the second effort against him has always been much, much better. Now, not saying that they've won. For instance, they lost to Mississippi State twice. But if you remember that game, Arkansas should have won, especially in the second one. And if it wasn't for, you know, Isaiah Joe being out, who knows? I'm not, I don't want to sit here and make excuses, but my point is, is that Arkansas's effort against Mississippi State the second go-around was much better than the first. It was the same way against a team like LSU, and it was the same way, even and again, even in games they lost, but overall their effort, and Missouri's another one. I you know, can't forget that game where the first game was awful, second game ended up being better. We'll see how it happens with Texas A&M on the road in College Station because Arkansas already beat them in the first game of the season. But that is something that I feel like has to be mentioned is that it, the adjustments are made against particular teams. When you play them once, Eric Musselman and the staff – makes the correct adjustments to make it work. Uh, it's Again, it's not perfect by any stretch. It's still got some flaws in it. But I really like what I saw from this team, and I, I'm glad that on senior night they could go out on a good note. I still don't like Will Wade. I've made that very clear. Guys, so, that's such a punchable face. I, that's all I can say, just a very punchable face. Um, 
But it was exactly what I wanted to see and is exactly what Razorback fans wanted to see as well. So now they go into Texas A&M this weekend. I'm not going to be booking on them winning this game because Texas A&M is a very good opponent. But uh, overall, I really like the fact that they have put in the work. They have put forth the effort. They continue to show out, especially in some games like this, and they stepped on the throat and they finished them off. Because even though Arkansas lost to Georgia, which is the only game that Arkansas has lost since Isaiah Joe's been back, even though Arkansas lost to Georgia, think about the offensive performance they put out. Like, this offense has just hit another level since Isaiah Joe's come back. They got to stop some people. They got to play good defense. We all know that. But the offense is there, and that is not anywhere close to being an issue right now. So kudos to the Razorbacks. We'll see how it goes against Texas A&M because it's going to be a big game coming up this weekend down in College Station. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Man, I, I swear, I think next year I'm going to talk to Commissioner Sankey about if we can do uh, SEC basketball tournament next year in Maui. That would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, maybe media days uh, out there. Um, and then we could do Turks and Caicos. Like, let's just start building the brand everywhere that we can, you know? Like, uh, why, why does it have to be just, you know, normal spots? Exactly. I'm all for building the brand, not only just here in the United States, but hey, like you said, take it to the Caribbean, the places that really need a little bit of SEC, basketball, football, all of those things. It's all about building the brand, right? right. Yeah, just a little something different, you know. We're doing the Lord's work here, spreading the gospel of the SEC. It's all I'm asking. <laughs> That's exactly right, man. Well, uh, there's a few things I want to ask you about, and first off, I want to start uh, with the Arkansas Razorbacks in basketball because they've had a kind of a, a great start to the year. They hit a slump, lost Isaiah Joe for a bit, went 0-5. They were still kind of in the mix, but then this loss to Georgia over the weekend was a tough one. Looking more like the NIT, although anything can happen in the SEC tournament. But just in your thought, what have you thought about from Eric Musselman in his first year as the Razorback basketball coach, given the roster he inherited and where he may end up finishing in the SEC? Yeah, I mean, just it, it, it's fun basketball. And I think that's that's where we go back a couple years ago and wonder, all right, well, how can you take take – this, you know, a proud uh, program, and make it be, you know, uh, you know, top tier again. And when you see the style that he plays, the way Mason Jones lit it up, uh, and whatever they had Isaiah Joe, and he was 100. percent You're like, all right, this is the style of basketball. I think that 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 absolutely can get back to where no one wants to go into Bud Walton Arena because, you know, I, I joked around about how good Auburn Arena is as far as the jungle and the home court advantage. And they're just trying to catch up to what Bud Walton has been over, what, over the last couple of decades. So I like it. I mean, you know, I, I was so disappointed in the Georgia um, result because I looked at it and I'm like, man, this is if, if there's a team that I felt, hey, just get them into the tournament and you never know what could happen, it was it was Arkansas. And the way that, that Isaiah Joe was coming back together, I felt he was strong. And, um, and I, I was just really disappointed with them falling. And much like, honestly, I look at Alabama last night, who had a really, I mean, a way outside puncher's chance to get out uh, against Bandy. And, you know, that was a really disappointing loss um, against Vanderbilt last night. So this has just been a wild and crazy SEC basketball It absolutely has. And, and one of the players for Arkansas that, uh, you know, we mentioned Isaiah Joe being out, but Mason Jones, he showed some promise last year, but – I don't think anybody, even here in the state of Arkansas, who are fans of the Razorbacks, would have guessed that Mason Jones would be a guy averaging around 22 points a game. He's had multiple 40-point games this season, and he's just—he's a good player, but I don't think anyone has saw this type of game. Do you think that he should be at least in consideration for SEC Player of the Year? 
Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Now, I think when it comes down to it, it probably ends up being, hey, you know, who who ends up having, uh, you know, you got to be really good player as well. Uh, and I think that ends up coming out to your team has to be pretty good. So obviously, that's one of the reasons why Emmanuel quickly probably ends up winning it because of what he's done lately. But um, you know, I just go back and look at the development of some of these players. I mean, look at John Fulkerson at Tennessee as well. You know, some guys that, hey, you find out who they are when they finally step up. And for Mason Jones, I mean, I go back and look at what Mason Jones was able to do um, alongside Isaiah Joe. That's as good of a one-two punch as I've seen. Like, we saw Bobby Portis way back in the day, and he was solid as just a one player. But that one-two punch remind me of, like, the Aaron Fox and Malik Monk would do that after absolute heyday for the Cats a couple years ago. Well, let me ask you just about the SEC in general in basketball, too, because you said it's kind of been a crazy year. We know Kentucky is always going to be Kentucky. Auburn's had a lot of success. LSU was really starting strong to the SEC slate. Uh, they haven't won a road game in quite some time, but they're still going to be a tournament team. Florida's been coming around. It just seems like that there's a lot of good teams, but just not that team that I see making a Final Four run similar to what Auburn did last year. Yeah, but when you also look at it, too, this is probably as, as wide open as as the tournament's been as well. You know, I mean, even, you know, there hasn't been like this, you know, Duke team with Zion or these unbelievable just complete one, you know, one seeds. I think when it comes down to it, you look at this year and you're like, all right, if this, I, I don't know how the hell you can fill out a bracket this year. <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea um, where the consistency is going to come from. And so to me, uh, it's the question is, all right, would you rather be one of the really good teams that's like, a, you know, seven tournament teams like we had last year? Um, but at that point, none of them really have a chance to win the title unless Auburn goes on this run. Or would you rather this year to where, all right, you're not strong as strong top to bottom, but nobody else really is, and it depends on the matchup. And, again, that's, I keep going back to it, and that's why it just pains me because I love Eric Musselman. I think he's the perfect coach for, for Arkansas and it kills me on that Georgia game because I'm like, damn, man, I just wanted you guys to get in because I felt like this is the team that was getting back, you know, at least healthy. They could have made a run in Nashville, and everything could get crazy off kilter from there. Yeah, because it seemed like the, where there was a point in time where the SEC was really not the level of basketball that people were hoping for. But it's amazing, though, Peter, and, and you just obviously it's an, uh, being a little sarcastic, but it's amazing how good coaches can make a difference in a conference when you had these slates of ha- adding Bruce Pearl, adding Rick Barnes, adding Will Wade. Now you got Eric Musselman into the mix. I think the Texas A&M is going to do really good, too. Uh, I mean, it just seems like adding great coaches can do just wonders for your conference, especially in a league where you've struggled in to be successful. Well, and that's the whole deal. That's a really, really good point because it's no longer, all right, you know, hey, man, we just got these sluggish, just nasty style ball games. That, you know, you're, why are you that bad? I mean, I, I remember when we first got to the, um, you know, our, when we first launched the SEC Network in 2014, I'm thinking, oh my gosh! I mean, how how in the world are we going to get used to this after football season is so good and basketball season is a world of suck? I mean, at least Arkansas was pretty good. Outside of that, them in Kentucky, nobody else is really solid. And I think what's happened now is that the floor um, has been you know has been raised. Right? There's no really really bad teams. I mean, look at Sackhouse's squad. Even the, even though you know they they had the Aaron Smith injury, they're still can beat anyone. I mean, they beat uh, LSU. Of course, they beat Alabama last night. They played Kentucky close in a couple of those games. So, I think overall, I think a bunch of the schools looked at it and said, hey, you know, we 
we spend bajillions of dollars when it comes to our coaches and assistant coaches on football. Let's do that in basketball as well, and, and, and let's make the investment. And so far, I think it's paid off. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Let's switch gears a little bit. We're joined by Peter Burns of the SEC Network right here on the West End Cigars Hotline, 103.7 The Buzz. Peter, let's switch gears and go to the football side of things because I know the NFL Combine is going on. Uh, there's been some interesting stories from some SEC football players. But I want to ask you this because I know you probably feel the same way I do. You see the amount of players that are in the Combine from the SEC. You see the amount yeah. of players that are drafted from the SEC every single year into the National Football League. I still struggle to understand. I, I understand people have their own conferences, but I can't believe that there are still people out there who believe that the SEC, by and large, is still not the best and greatest conference in college football. I'm not trying to be biased, but if you just look at the numbers, that's the way it is. Well, there's also people that sniff glue and don't think anything's wrong with that, too. And, <laughs> yeah, and I'm true. not even talking about Danny Cannell on the show. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the whole different story with Mr. Totalneck. But, you know, I mean, all joking aside, uh, I, I think people have understood that. I think now with year in, year out, and that it just becomes, all right, it is the SEC. And I would tell you to say to a, a certain point, we're getting to a breaking point where I think that the SEC and the Big Ten and, and, and probably just Clemson have just surpassed everyone else that I'm frankly worried. I mean, I brought it up on Twitter a couple of days ago. I mean, the Pac-12 is dead. John, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's done. There's no reason to ever think that all of a sudden with schools getting, you know, what, sometimes $20 million more a year in um, in their, you know, television deals that they're ever going to catch up. And so we've gotten to a point where, if, if you know, I, I had said it with Andy Staples, and he wrote a good article about it on The Athletic today. If you're the Big 12, why don't you just go to the go to USC and go to Oregon and go, why the hell do you need the Pac-12 anymore? Don't. Just leave. Come join us. We've got 10 teams. We'll be called the Big 12 again. And get away because the Pac-12 has become just an abject failure, and uh, it, it's sad because you know at this point they're no longer relevant in college football, nor will they ever be again. Well, let me ask you this: since you brought it up, Peter, why is that then? What why what has made the SEC and Big Ten and Clemson surpass everybody? Is it just the money? Is it just the attention paid to it? Is it the coaches? What has made that gap happen in college football just here recently? Yes, 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 and yes. Everything you just said. I mean, obviously, it's it's the geographical location, and, and as where as the recruits are coming, and that's part of the is part of the year or this part of the country. Um, to a certain extent, it's also of how much money they put into it. It's fan interest, um, and the fact that you got more people that want to go to a, a spring game than you do a regular season big game in the Pac-12. Um, and I think all of those have something to do with it. And a lot of it has to do with how much money. Um, the SEC and the Big Ten and those guys have done with their television deals. I mean, if all of a sudden you're getting a, if one school is getting, oh, I don't know, uh, you know, twenty five million dollars more a year in just their television revenue over what five years, that's a hundred million dollars. I mean, think about it. I mean, when it comes budget wise, you had a hundred million dollars more. Guess what? You're probably going to be a hundred million dollars better at the end of the day. And and there is no, like, magic pill that the Pac-12 can take right now to make that better. So with that being said, if I'm the Big 12, if I don't want to get left out and be like the, the Pac-12, I have to make a desperate move, and that move is to go ahead and make that phone call today and say, USC, I don't care what it takes, you're coming. Oregon, you're coming. The, the rest of you, I'm sorry. We're going to go to Power 4, 
conferences as opposed to a Power Five because the Pac-12 no longer really exists. I want to switch gears again and look at the future, though, of the SEC West specifically because, Peter, there was a few coaches that obviously came into the league. We saw, especially in the SEC West, Arkansas changed coaches, Ole Miss changed coaches, Mississippi State changed coaches. And the league was already great. You got Eddie O and LSU. You got you sure. got a guy like Nick Saban. You got Gus Malzahn. We, we know all that. You got Jimbo Fisher. But then you added Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin, and also <laughs> Sam Pittman. I mean, it's just insane how this division, year after year, ups its game. Where does Sam Pittman, though, fall into that mix? Because all those other name coaches, they got a lot of love because they're big names. Sam Pittman's the new guy on the block. But where does he kind of fit into that whole equation of the division? I think Sam Pittman's trying to figure that out, honestly. I mean, we, we definitely are as well, too, saying, all right, well, what, what, what is, what's unique? And I think the one thing that I took from Sam, you know, with Coach Pittman when I would talk to him, is that it, it's, not a, it's not BS. It, it's literally, this is what we do, this is who we are, um, and we're going to kind of build it a certain way that's a foundation. I think that's the one thing that, you know, when you start looking at everybody else around this conference, um, they always try to have some, something special. And I think for Pittman, it's a matter of, hey, can you get to the point to where you can start running the ball really well, build your team for the inside out? And I think that's the one thing. When you go back and look at what Jeremy Pruitt's trying to do, and I think that he's had some success over at Tennessee with, um, it's about, hey, interior. If, you can, if your interior line looks good and you're making that look good, you're, you've got a good chance. And I think that was one thing that, frankly, was a little bit of a struggle bust um, you know, for Chad Morris right off the bat. He tried to play a style of football right off the bat in which, frankly, he didn't have the horses to do. I mean, gosh, John, I, I remember as an LSU fan, and I'm not going to rehash the Brett Bielema days, <laughs> but there was a moment to where, I want to say 2014, 2015, at the end of the season, you did not want to play Arkansas. Yeah. You did not want any piece of them because they were just going to beat your rear into the ground. Like, they were just going to run on you. And I'm just wondering, can Sam Pittman get it to that point back where Brett had it uh, when that thing was rolling as far as offensively? Yeah, that was during a weird time that Razorback fans remember because LSU, uh, Arkansas always caught him towards the end of the season, and they would sneak up on LSU and just surprise people because that oh, was the it way. Would be, it would be cold. It would be yeah. nasty. LSU, LSU did not want to. And, I mean, it would be, frankly, embarrassing because they were physical. And I felt like, that's the one thing that Sam Pippen has to get done is getting this team being the back physical to where they can play bully ball. Um, and, I, and, I, and if there's any, anybody that can do that, I, I do think it's Sam. Yeah, because Arkansas has some talent on this team as far as skill position goes offensively, but it's amazing, though, Peter. Once Sam Pittman, who coached at Arkansas as the offensive line coach, once he left Brett Bielema in 2016 was the first year that Sam Pittman was not at Arkansas, that was when it all kind of started spiraling out of control, and that's where people start looking at it and saying, that just goes to show you that if you do not have an offensive line in this league, it doesn't matter what you have the rest of the way, you cannot compete pure and simple. And that's where Razorback fans' hopes come in with Sam Pittman. and says, hey, I don't know how good we're going to be, but we know our offensive line is going to be solid at least. Well, and, and, and that's the worst thing, too, is that the same thing that people were upset about Jeremy Pruitt when he first took over, it's like, all right, I don't know about Pruitt. But guess what? Pruitt saw that if you don't have a good offensive line, a good defensive line, you, it doesn't matter the position players. Everything else. I mean, go back and look at Butch Jones. Butch Jones had a lot of, you know, I thought pretty talented players on the outside, kind of these five-star recruits that are real fun to watch and play. Well, guess what? When it came down to it, you needed to have guys in the trenches. And Pruitt's got that now, and that's why that team's getting better. 
and it's going to be a grind because everybody else, frankly, is extremely dang good in the West. But, um, again, I, I think he was the right guy when I was kind of curious about what Arkansas could hire. I don't think you could hire a better person to coach Pippen going into this situation. Peter, I know you're a big SEC Media Day guy, just like I am. It's going to be switching back over to Atlanta this year. It's been kind of the the Hoover's baby, but now that's going to be moving locations for the next few years. I want to ask you this because I like to ask everybody that goes to Media Days. Now it's going to be back in Atlanta. What's the thing you look forward to the most for SEC Media Days being in Atlanta this year? Um, you know, hopefully it's at night. I'd like the SEC Media yes. Night and put it on on on, uh, on prime time. I think for me, it's learning out who's actually going to be the quarterbacks of this year, uh, you know, coming into the season. I mean, this is as wide open, I think, the SEC, John, has been in maybe a decade. And what I mean by that is, I mean, you, you look at how many new coaches we have. There's not a bunch of, you know, quarterbacks that have been here for a while. And so, I mean, outside of like, you know, I mean, Kellen Mond, you know, and maybe Kyle Trask, there's not a, a bunch of quarterbacks who are like, oh, yeah, they're absolutely, that's their starter. So, I think that's the one thing I'm looking forward to once we finally get into media days is who in the heck actually comes to media days from the quarterback position because, um, frankly, this is a this is a weird year when it comes to the SEC, and I think that's going to make it even more interesting. And I think, you know, kind of kind of like how I think SEC West and SEC East are going to be interesting in football, the same way the basketball tournament is going to be, I think chaos is going to ensue, to say the least. We're talking to Peter Burns here on Out of Bounds on the West End Cigars Hotline. Peter, I wanted to ask you about one of our good friends that we know well here at The Buzz. What's it like working with Pat Bradley? That's the worst. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I mean the, the, the shooter is just ridiculous because I never met anyone that's nearly as ADD as I am until I met Pat Bradley. And so we sit there in the studio every single day, and then I'll be like, hey, look, we should talk about this. Oh, well, also, let's talk about this. I mean, He's great, man. I, I joke around, but he's been a blast to work with. Um, just a good overall dude. Uh, even the accent is hilarious. And, um, you know, I, I hate to talk nice about him because, um, you know, so don't don't let this get out that I was actually talking him up. Just make sure that you say that I was uh, nothing but mean to him. We got you on that. <laughs> so that takes me to my next question. Around the SEC Network studios, who truly has the claim to the name PB? Uh, well, it's so weird because when we do this, we actually end up having a producer who's normally used to, like, you know, calling me PB. And so he'll say, all right, PB, we need you to talk about this. And both of us look at each other like, what the hell's going on? I don't, do you talk? I don't, I talk. So <laughs> I'm going to go myself for another reason, which is the longevity of it. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm the original PB. So, um, you know, he, he, he does the uh, crunchy, I guess I'll be the smooth part of peanut butter. Hey, there you go. I like it. There you go. That's Peter Burns of the SEC Network. Peter, always appreciate it, man. It's always a pleasure. I'm glad you made it back from Hawaii in one piece, my man. I know we'll be catching up with you, especially once we go down to SEC Media Days. All right, my man? I'm just trying to. I'm trying to find a way to get to Bomb Stadium. I got to be honest with you. I mean that that Dave Van Horn's got the best maybe home uh, home field advantage there and uh, and watching games there. So uh, we need to take SEC now on the on the on the uh, on the road and come out to Fayetteville and uh, I want to see the call of the Hawks and everything live and up close and personal. Absolutely, buddy. I'll, I'll be the host for you, man. I'll make sure we show you a good time when we head down to Dixon Street. All right. We'll have 11 beers. I look forward to it. <laughs> well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, and we'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you then.
Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 